This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into sports memorabilia, wrestling figures, or comic books, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. This is a Canadian company, actually, oddly enough, based out of the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, right now. So it is a Canadian website. Anything that's there is in Canadian funds, obviously. So to all you American listeners, it's a little bit cheaper rate. But they also ship worldwide. They update daily. Like I said, they got wrestling figures. They got old school stuff, current stuff, comic books, Signed hockey pucks, signed hockey gloves, basketball, anything you literally need or want is there. And if you're into nerd culture, obviously you're into video games. So please visit bossfightbooks.com today for classic books on classic video. Well, I screwed that up. Great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Galaga, Super Mario Brothers 2, Metal Gear Solid, so forth and so on. Please visit them. Tell them I sent you. Gabe's a cool guy over there. They got it, they got it in paperback. They got it digitally, so they got you covered. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com. Scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs to COVID masks. Anything you need or want is there. But if you don't want to spend money, it's totally understandable during this time. The easiest thing you could do, the safest thing you could do, the freest thing you could do is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, this week's guest is a retired pro wrestler who has done Spanish commentary for WWE, Lucha Underground, AEW, and currently AAA. Most of you may have known him as El Muñecaso, Hugo Savinovich. Yes. And here we are. Likewise. Let's, let's do it. Let's do Okay, right off the bat. Ecuadorian, my friend, I never knew all these years watching you as a child, watching WWF and then into WWE, that you were Ecuadorian. Yeah, it's like if you ask Dominican people, also the from Dominican Republic, and you ask the Puerto Ricans, they will each tell you, no, uh, Hugo is from here, Dominican Republic, or Hugo is from here, from Puerto Rico. Right. But basically, I spent a lot of time of my youth and has my youth also in uh, in the Caribbean as a wrestler in the Dominican Republic, also Puerto Rico. But uh, before I went to work for Vince, I was the guy in charge of producing and doing the TV hosting and the play-by-play on the, at the time was one of the most successful companies in the world wrestling, the Puerto Rico company, uh, WWC, yeah. uh, World Wrestling Council. And uh, that's why even today, uh, they refuse to say that I'm from Ecuador. I say no, he's from he's from Puerto Rico, and I love it. So I feel like I'm from Ecuador. Right. I became an Amer- I became an American citizen. Okay. But yet I I I love uh, the Dominican people. I love my Puerto Rican brothers. My two boys are from uh, born in Puerto Rico. Okay. And also my blue and gold Macau. 
uh, Shushi, she's also born in Puerto Rico, so there you go. Uh, uh, it's good stuff, good stuff. So how does a man from Ecuador get into wrestling? Because I visited Ecuador, I've no, I know Ecuador, I, I've been there, all that, and wrestling's not a huge thing there. It's soccer, and that's pretty much it for sports in Ecuador, if you think about it. Yeah, they, they will have tours, and then you have guys from the States or Mexico that will go in like for a two-week tour, and in one of those tours, I uh, was five years old, and I saw the match of Santo, uh, the guy with the silver mask, El Mascarado de Plata, of course. working against Monge Loco, Equator, Equatorian Monge Loco with a long beard, okay. uh, longer than yours, longer okay. than yours, <laughs> and I I fell in love with the villains and the heroes, and when I saw him doing the topes and the top one that he comes, lands off with his head on the belly of the opponent and lands on his feet and then just crosses over and puts like the camel clutch, the caballo, mm -hmm. uh, submission hole, and then the, the, the healed monk loco surrender and the whole crowd went crazy with him. And I, I just said to my mother, Doña Melida, I said, that's what I want to do. And I was mm -hmm. at five years old and that dream was planted, wow. that seed. And uh, I became a pro wrestling uh, pro wrestler at 14 in the tough streets of Bronx, New York. Look at that. So that's when you made, I guess you were younger when you jumped over to the States then. Yes, I was around 10. I wanted to stay oh, okay. in Ecuador. I wanted to stay in Ecuador, but I was such a badass and bad behavior that they didn't want me to stay there. Sure. So I actually had no choice but to, to join my sisters and come into the States. So you're broken in the States, but you're mostly known for, like you said, Puerto Rico. You even had a stint in Japan. So where did you? where do you think most of your greatest career happened in? What country? Well, it's two different aspects. You know, okay. the one with the the, crea the creative part. Uh, my first year with Vince was uh, uh, before this monster became what it is now. It was just Vince McMahon, uh, Pat Patterson, Bruce Pritchard, and me. We were the, oh. the creative team. That was it. Wow. That was it. And then uh, Jerry Jerry Briscoe joined, right. and then you know whatever has happened has happened. So I went. I went not to do on live. Uh, play-by-play -play or commentary. I went to be a producer and to be a creative. Oh. It was just that as as things happened, the, the guy that was working with my partner, Carlos Cabrera, they were not getting along. Mm. And Vince, Vince said, I want you to, to produce them and I want you to be uh, uh, next to Carlos Cabrera. And that was like the beginning of a 17-year story uh, of the Spanish commentators. Now, all the oh. broken tables on pay-per-views and all that. Don't worry, we'll get to that. But I still want to focus a bit on your actual wrestling career because, again, I never knew you were a wrestler before announcing. So, again... Yeah, 20 years. That's crazy. 20 years, as, 20 years as a wrestler. I was twice NWA World Line Heavyweight Champion. I defeated in Dominican Republic Jack Veneno, who was like Hulk Hogan in the States, Santo in Mexico, wow. and like Carlitos Colon in Puerto Rico. Right. And to beat him, you put your your life in your hands because you, you will need like the army to be escorting you and stuff like that. And I beat him twice and I built up wrestling into a big business in Dominican Republic. And I was the key to bring in stars like uh, Randy Macho Man Savage, obviously the big big story there was Flair defending the NWA World Championship against Jack Veneno, so mm. that was part of my, you know, what I wanted to do to bring these big, big guys right. and, and girls into into Spanish countries, so that basically for 20 years, I did that, I was uh, worked in Japan, I worked all over the states, including the Funks territory in Amarillo, right. I worked for Bill Watts in Louisiana also, so did did my 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 time uh, did twenty years, and mind you that at those times when you were a pro wrestler, you didn't get the tickets like now the boys get the electronic tickets where you mostly travel in planes. Sure. Back then, uh, you will star in in my home was Baton Rouge, Louisiana, working for Bill Watts, okay. and then somehow we'll be in Texarkana, wow. <laughs> you know, way out there in Texas somewhere, yeah. and you will pay your own transportation you split it uh with the boys traveling in that car sure. and the guy that had the car you pay him so that was my adventure in my 20 years where if you look at the reality of it it was not uh that much of a show like it is now okay it was more hard punching hard strong style stuff right hot chairs and everything yes. uh so it was 20 years where you work like four or five times 
a week and sometimes one day off and twice uh, it sounds like a joke or a country western song <laughs> twice on sunday but that was wow. it so when you when you say 20 years back then right. it was 20 years my friend yeah exactly so did you ever make it up here in canada did you ever wrestle up here uh, not in canada oh. not in canada yeah, almost almost got arrested twice in Canada, but that's another story. <laughs> but I, I I was going through some of your notes too, and you wrestled Bret Hart at one point. Yes, Bret the Hitman Hart. I have a picture of him where you could actually see his rib cage. He was very skinny. Oh wow! His first match out of Canada, okay, was in Puerto Rico. Smith Ooh. Hart, who was a good buddy of mine, got arrested. So right, and Bret Hart. He was supposed to be Bruce originally, but. Brett, and then uh, that was match. Cowboy Frankie Williams he was against uh, this young star from Stampede Wrestling, Brett, Brett Hart right. and uh, Smith Hart. And boy, we started some some stuff in the ring. You know, I was always like uh, doing some shit disturbing with that with, with them. And Smith was my friend. So, but Brett was not really joking too much, and I always try to have a good time and. He wanted to be more of a, you know, serious contender in the ring. But after like three or four minutes, you know, he know he, he noticed that we were not out there to hurt nobody. We were out there right. to have a good match, and then he loosened up, and we were able to have like a twenty-minute match. But that was one of his first matches out of Canada. He was very green, wow. but you could see the potential on him. Right. Very serious about the technicality and that. Not happy when when he had the sense of something should have been better there, and when when he did not apply the hold the right way, right. you could see it in his eyes. He had that sense that that he had to improve. He didn't have to wait till later. He knew better. He knew right then wow. that he messed up, and that's I think that's why he became you know such a great executioner in the ring of the technical wrestling and timing and everything because he was very strict, very strict with, with himself and with the guys that he worked with with mm. respect. But very strict. Right. And it comes full circle, too. You wrestled him early in his career, and then you ended up, I assume, calling his matches after when he was on top of the WWF, WWE, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Iron matches, Sean and him. And, right. uh, man, those were, you know, back then, the champion had to do at least 25 minutes. I know. You know, and, and good, good, solid storylines. So you got to call... Uh, false finishes a lot, a lot right. of submission holes, and just the art of telling a story without this craziness that is going on right now. Uh, so it, it was some of those beautiful times where you actually saw, uh, uh, you know, great technicality, good solid mm. moves, and one hole will make twenty thousand people or forty thousand people go crazy. Right, it's, I know it's so different. So uh, I know you wrestled under a mask. Did you wrestle your whole career under a mask, or did you have a mask for some mask no, match? I, I, I began. Uh, I was so young, and I had to fake my ID uh, okay. because you, you had to be old enough to get your license. And I was mm-hmm. fourteen when I debuted. So, so off the bat, you knew I was breaking the rules already. Uh, my ID, my ID said that that I was twenty one, okay. and I was only fourteen. Wow. Just became fourteen. <laughs> so I used my license to do TV in in New Jersey. The way that it was set up, we actually had Univision. Promoter uh-huh. was Toro Maldonado, and we had the backup of the the Spanish Sports League that covered from baseball to softball to boxing and everything. Right. And uh, and we became part of their group, and they recognized our championships. And when we wanted to bring guys like uh, Butcher Bashan, uh, Tony Garia, Pedro Morales, Vince's father would not allow it. So he he had a call and to Vince McMahon Sr., and he said, mm. if you do not let this Spanish group uh, use your wrestlers... I'll have, they had a show, I think, on Friday night at the Garden. Okay. And he said, I'll have around 20 to 30 buses of Spanish people oh, wow. with flags and signs saying that you guys were racially discriminated against this Spanish company. Oh, wow. And that will fall back then with the weather strict about monopoly and all that stuff. Right. So it would then, like, one day we had Tony Gorilla and then we had Butcher Bashan and Pedro Morales. So I started doing. All that publicity and and and, and with the cars and the the, the, the speakers on top sure. and uh, and the posters at the Spanish restaurants and all that. But this guy Toro Maldonado managed to have uh, guys like Pedro Morales before we didn't have what we have now in New York. 
Uh, so every Spanish artist that came would not hit the garden. That was prohibited, actually, for like Spanish artists. Oh, you know, wow. you could not dream of having that there. Right. So they usually went to Teatro Puerto Rico, 138th Street, okay. um, Brook Avenue in the Bronx, and it was very dangerous. But for those shows, mm -hmm. you would put in like 3,000 people, and we did. We had we had uh, like 3,000 people with the Pedro Morales. And our show on, on 41 had better ratings than Vince's father. Wow. With just maybe maybe one guy that was well-known, <laughs> and the other ones were just our guys sure. with good matches and just the Spanish people going bananas, crazy, screaming and, right. and stuff like that. So so that was part of my upbringing. So I knew back then, even from 14-year-old, the power that you had or have when you do things right, and also that... It, it should not matter that you're Spanish or whatever. What matters is what you bring to the table, and you, you should not let no one stop you because of, of uh, if you're Spanish or whatever. Of course. So back then, back then, I already knew one lesson that I would apply it later in life. And they they said you're five nine. Uh, I weighed like 170 pounds, and you never make it in the wrestling business. Wow. And I proved them wrong. I, I did Japan. I did every every exactly. place. I did tag team championships. I was a Western tag team champions with Ishikawa in in Texas, and wow. worked against the Bon Erics. I worked against Andre the Giant in my lifetime. I I worked against Great Suzuki, Giant Baba. I nice. chopped the hell out of Jumbo Tsuruta and then paid the price. He almost. He almost took my chest right out, right out. <laughs> but for a guy five, for a guy five nine, that was like a pretty awesome thing. So I wrestled with the best, and yeah. it did, did did my time twenty years. But I knew that I would be better served creatively mm -hmm. and and in the mic. Something right. something happens when you actually do what what you do best, and I realized that. I could do a better job with uh, managing, right. which I managed guys like Bruce or Brody. Yes. The, main, the main guy was Abdullah the Butcher. I was going to mention. We sold, yeah, we sold out stadiums and we did angles and stuff in National Stadium and right. uh, Trinidad. At the we drew, we drew like twenty one thousand one time with Smoking Joe Fraser against Victor Javik. Another time, Ric Flair against uh, Ray Apollon in there. So we we did our, we did our thing. We did big angles. Right. It was just a matter of bad, bad managing of funds by Carlos Colon and Jovica and uh, self-destruction. A lot of people blame Vince McMahon, right. but they're, they're afraid of blaming themselves of not being good, responsible business people mm. that you have to put back into your business. Sure. No, of course, that totally makes sense. And before we get into more of your announcing and creative aspects, okay, you got to tell me at least one crazy Puerto Rican story because every wrestler has one. Oh my God! It's uh, uh, in Puerto Rico at the time. It, it was wrestling was so huge and so big. My persona was so big. Not, now I'm a pastor. You know, I, I, I evangelize. I go to jails. I got my, twenty percent of my money goes to help uh, kids and uh, where they feed them and everything like that. Right. I have youth programs. But back then, I was a I was I was a rebel. And in Puerto Rico, I say to people, uh, you ask Ric Flair, and he said. After he went to defend the title of the Dominican Republic, not even the owners of the territory, not even Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico that were like the huge stars, none of them could do stuff that I got away in, in those countries. I will cross Dominican Republic yeah. uh, in a helicopter to Haiti to a resort, wow. like the biggest, most powerful woman uh, on security for the sister of the president at that time mm. was... Uh, was my lover. I, I have never said this story, not even on my book. Oh, so wow. you're getting a first, awesome. you're getting a first, a first hit there. And this was uh, a powerful woman, powerful in every aspect. Okay. I think she could have actually kicked my ass if she wanted to, because she was a uh, judo. All, oh, okay. All kinds of so she knew how to fight too. Art, okay. And, yeah, and she had and she had two guns too, and was very oh, jealous. And she told me, "I catch you with another woman, I will kill you." Uh, but that was another story. My <laughs> first wife, just my book is called Atangana Ring de Tentaciones. It's not in English. Okay. Uh, but my book tells a story how being married at 50 years old mm -hmm. uh, with a beautiful lawyer uh, that had a lot of money. Uh, the book tells a story that she shot me. So I, I, I leave I leave your your listeners with the intrigue of this 
crazy Spanish guy who's now a pastor. Oh, wow. So with the with the with the bodyguard of the president and the sister of the president, we will go. I mean, if I wanted to use the bathroom at the bank at that time where they were robbing banks, right. and they had the military guys inside the the banks at nighttime with machine guns, yeah, yeah. I will knock at the door. Okay. And the guy will open up the door for me, for oh, me to go shit. and use the bathroom in, in the back. Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic were two yeah. places that I, I I thank God today that they were so good to me because they would let, let me get away with stuff that today I, you'd probably be dead. Of course. Uh, so I thank them for my, in the middle of my rebel years and my ignorance. I, but at the same time, I think I, I gave them the opportunity mm-hmm. of seeing this crazy. I used to have the blonde, long hair and sure. all of that. And, and, and Drew, it was a second show in the country uh, drawing so many people that uh, shows that would, would normally not talk about wrestling. And the newspapers will cover this crazy guy that was doing all these things. So got away with stuff like uh, being, let's say, in the supermarket. Okay. And the supermarket would actually carry the wine that I will drink because they know that I will come in and buy it with, with, with ca- in cases. Right. So guys That's like, awesome. uh, like Frenchie Martin in Puerto Rico was Pierre Martel. Yeah. I went, I went to, I went to Quebec two weeks before he died. I said, I said to him, I said, Frenchie, I'm not going to come back to your funeral, mm-hmm. but I want to see you live. And I want to spend three days with you. And mm-hmm. we had three days awesome. with him and he was smoking, uh, marijuana. And I, I don't, uh, I've been clean for over 25 years, but that was my right. friend, my brother. And he sat down in Quebec next to uh, the house of his friend mm-hmm. where the river went right by there. And I, nice. I was, as a pastor and ex-drug addict, I, at one point I was doing like $2,500 uh, of crack cocaine a week. So uh stayed clean for that years. But that, on those oh. three days, my friend, my brother, uh, Frenchie, was smoking marijuana. Yeah, yeah. Those were his last two weeks. And we will talk things and, and, and with him, Pretty boy Larry Sharp, who, who I was also his uh, pastor, and when he died, I did I, I did that funeral also. He instructed me everything that he wanted to, just as my wife did. She died like a little bit over a year ago. Mm. Just like crazy stories of my life and how sure. I I have been so close to people, and all these guys, Jack Evans, the fabulous kangaroo, <laughs> Don Kent, they were like my buddies, and the girl that was my wife at one time. One director, she was before nice. being my wife. I was married to her for seven years, okay. and we're together like for nine. Right. But uh, I said to the fans that that I did not just lose a wife when we got divorced. Mm-hmm. I lost one of my good friends because she was in that group right. of Frenchie Martin, Pierre Martel, sure. uh, uh, Jack Evans, uh, Pretty Boy Larry Sharp, Don mm-hmm. Kent, the super medic Joseph Strada. Uh, I was forgetting him. So we will get away. With stuff like we'd be in Don, Don Peppers was the place in Isla Verde, Puerto Rico, okay. a small inn with a bar, restaurant, the pool in the middle, yeah. and the rooms, uh, not too many rooms. It was an inn, and then second floor, first floor. And we were high, and the fabulous Mullah was you know, fabulous Mullah. And a lot of people right now with the politically correct stuff are saying this and that. And I get so upset because if, if they blame her for this and that, well, what about all the promoters that hire? The, the talent that she, that she right. control. So it's like, what? You're going to blame just one person here? That's my whole attitude towards that. But but anyway, we were all here, drunk, high, and everything. And then Frenchie Martin and Larry Sharp, the bartender was a, a beautiful German girl, Angie. God, God bless <laughs> that woman. Okay. She will take care of us so much. Wow. And that was Larry Sharp's, Larry Sharp's girlfriend, the bartender. A okay. German bartender in Puerto Rico. Fabulous Mula. I mean, this is like a story you will never hear anywhere. Right? Fabulous Mula, Frenchy Martin, Pierre Martel, Prebolarisha, Dynamite Jack Evans, Hugo Savinovich, and Joseph Strata sitting at the table. Right. And, and Pretty Boy says, Pretty Boy says, let's get naked and go to the pool. It's 8 o'clock. The place is jam-packed. <laughs> the only one that didn't get naked was Fabulous Mula. Okay. Uh, Lillian, Lillian said, Mula said, we are going to get in trouble. Said, we got it. No problem. <laughs> we, jumped, we, ju- we jumped naked. This place was jam-packed. Right. One guy was with the wife and got offended and took the gun out oh my God. and wanted to, wanted to shoot us because he felt his manhood was disrespected. Oh, and geez. we got out of the pool, put some towels on, right. this and that. And uh, Angie came by, oh gave God. the guys, the wife and, and, and the guy, uh, she said, we didn't say it, but she said it for us. They are picking up your tab and 
you are our guest for tonight. Okay. And at the moment, I said, I never, I never said that. But you know, in my mind, I said I was high and everything. The right. guy has a gun in his hand. I mean, we had a big show the next day. Right, right. Fabulous moonlights there. We are naked in a place, not a towel. I'm just thinking, uh, I think she's, I don't know, I think she's doing something right. Then I realized, yes, she did something right, because this could have been horrible. To make the end of the story short, we put our clothes back on, and the guy and the wife were now sitting with us at the table telling jokes how one crazy provocation could have been a deadly incident uh, and, and became just another night in the adventures that we will go through. At that time, right. carrying marijuana, carrying marijuana would be, like a big offense of in Puerto Rico, yeah, yeah. and and we would we would be smoking like I'm talking to you right now. Yeah, uh, friendship friendship would be, would be next to me, yeah, yeah. and a pretty boy in the back, and we would be doing like coke and marijuana. And the cops would go right by, or the undercover agent, and they knew that that it was us, ah. and they would not mess with. Then they would not mess with us because sure. they knew we were not selling it, and ah, okay. we were not hiding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they will they'll make me put the window down and say. Uh, <laughs> You got five five minutes. You got five minutes to right. clean this up because we're gonna get heat about this, and and get away with it. So so we were very fortunate Crazy. to to get away with stuff. And uh, and Louisiana, just to mention, Buck Robley was the booker in Louisiana. I hope that they don't get mad because I'm telling this story. <laughs> and boy, when you have a booker that's your friend and yeah. you've been doing like marijuana all this stuff for sure. him, having him being the booker in 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 Louisiana. Man, that was like a, a friend, and uh, with the free birds and everything. Right. And, and Louisiana was tough on 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 drugs laws. Yeah, I yeah. mean, forget about the drinking part. The laws was like really, really bad. Right. And uh, and we took some chances in those <laughs> small towns. One story was a town called Loranger. Okay. They, they had an auction every Sunday. I don't know how the heck they managed to pay for the show, but. Sure. I actually saw Ric Flair defending in Bill Watts' company the NWA World Championship okay. on Sunday on Loranger in a, in a like a farmhouse place where wow. they had auctions. Yeah, yeah. So you had at one corner you had this big tumultuous crowd around, and you could still hear on the other side, uh, uh, hundred and fifty dollars for this place, a hundred and fifty dollars for this place. So you have a wrestling hall, <laughs> right? And and you have the guys selling some other crap and other stuff. But they make money. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling was big. Yeah. There I saw the NWA world champion defending the title mm -hmm. while they're auctioning picture frames and tables. Right. And it was just crazy. At the time, Kenny Mantel, yeah. we were riding together. I did not know this. Okay. Uh, they had it was they had the the cockfights mm -hmm. and and it was like a big cafe where you weren't supposed to do this but everybody knew they were doing it you know Luciana does their own things yep. whoever tells you otherwise they're lying to you. <laughs> I live there right. they they are not like the rest of the United States yeah, yeah. you don't you don't mess with Cajun people my wife was Cajun Diana okay. was Cajun so I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> so you know. right off the bat they they will do whatever the heck they want to do and right. don't mess with us people they're beautiful people but don't mess with them. And uh, we were high, and you went into this place where they had like hundreds of these uh, roosters, and 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 they had like a leash on their legs, and they, they had trainers, like fighters. Jesus. And when you're high, and you find yourself with Kenny Mantel <laughs> in the middle of a hundred of these animals, and then you're really high, and you, and you, you see that, that like right. it's like one of those uh, terror movies where you feel like. They're coming after yeah. you! They're coming after me! Oh my me. god! Yes, so it was so it was crazy. Freebirds we uh with Buddy Roberts, uh a crazy hotel, everybody's high. I can't remember the name. In Puerto Rico they call him the hippie, Mike Boyer or something like that. I can't think of his name right now. Okay, okay. He was a manager of stars, like Mike Boyer or something like that. Yeah. I can't think of his name. He was like a French I think it was a French Canadian. Oh okay. Mike Bo uh, Mike Boyer or something like that. He was manager of stars. Hmm. Uh, can't think of his name right now. Uh, but he was very high. We, we had the bunches, ordered three boxes of pizza. Wow. And for some reason, when the boxes came into the room, yeah. uh, he, we paid the guy. The guy left. And there, there, was, a, there was a little bit of commotion. I'm very high, but I remember looking up and seeing Mike, I think it was Mike Boyer, 
He was man. He was like a yeah. He was a French Canadian guy, very famous as a manager. And uh, God, the guy had the gun in his hand. Oh, and he said, "No one come close to the pizza." <laughs> wow. And so you had you you had Bam Bam, you had Michael Hayes, Buddy Roberts, and myself. And you have Mike Mike Boyer there, and he has the gun. And now he's going through the boxes and the pizzas and now saliva. It's it's going Shit, everywhere. Yeah. But that's like the secondary thing. The first thing is there's a gun, gun yeah. in his hand and oh he's tripping God. out. So never mind, we're hungry. And now we know that at least I, I ain't going to touch those pizzas now. Yeah, of course. The boxes and there's saliva going yeah. everywhere. But uh, we managed mm. somehow. I think it was a bandbag that, that managed to get next to him and we took the gun right. and took the bullets and he took the bullets out and everything Jesus. like that. So, so it, it took another 40 minutes to get three more boxes of pizza. <laughs> so that's, so that's some of the crazy story. Oh my God. That's awesome. I, I don't think anyone's going to top those. And again, for those politically correct people, I understand if you're doing it in today's day and age, you could complain about it, but this is stuff back then when not that it was accepted, but it was a wink, wink, you know, this is how life was. There was no social media. Uh-huh. There was no nothing. I'm sure if there was social media, it'd probably be a different story, but that's how yes. life was. Like, you know what I mean? And you need these stories. You need people like yourself telling these stories. Uh-huh. Like, this is great fucking entertainment. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> yeah, it, it's part of my it's part of my life. And that too. I don't, I don't regret it. I, I don't regret it. Uh, it was it was a beautiful family with all all our wrongs and everything. If I had to do it again, I'll, I'll probably not get into the drugs. Sure. But the, the friendship, the brotherhood. Definitely. Um, it was just incredible to have the relationship that we had, and I, I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm one of the few guys that could actually say that I had, I had pizza in my room with some of the most beautiful divas in pajamas mm. in the story of, of wrestling. Right. Never touching, never touching any of them. Just being a good friend. Sure. But I, I, if if there's such a fantasy or dream to have pizza with some of the most beautiful women and to know that they were in your room and that your bathtub, the, the bathtub was full of ice and beer and that they were my friends and my sisters. But I could actually say with a smile, even as a pastor right now, boy, that was beautiful because there was no bad intentions. It was, sure. we, we, I don't know about now, but back then, if you told one of the girls, one of the girls that they were part of your brotherhood mm-hmm. that meant that you were her brother right. and yeah you were protector of course and that was it and yeah. that was that was it there was no touching there was there was there was nothing with wendy it happened that she was one of my brothers and one night uh she gave me a kiss and right. and and that's the way we started what later became our marriage but right. we were had never touched any of the, any of our friends because we respected that we respected that See, and that's the major thing, especially back then in your day and age, was the respect factor. Like, yes, that was huge. Yes. That was like your guy's Bible. That was your path. You, yes. you can fuck up as much as you want, but please respect yeah. the business and each other, right? Yes, and even today, I still I still carry those as, as part of my, you know, upbringing when I, when I coach these young guys and girls. And I do that often. I said, you know, be careful about this and that. And especially with the guys, I said, you know, treat everybody with respect. Uh, there's a lot of women, and you're going to be meeting so many women. Leave the young girls alone. Right. Be very careful about fake IDs. And True. remember, just because just because you're famous doesn't mean that you have to go to bed with everybody. And Good respect point. our people, respect our rules, and respect the guys and girls that open up the doors for you. Mm. Be respectful. Do not let your ego... Uh, you know, destroy our our culture right now. There's right. there's people in our business that don't respect it. You know. Yeah, no kidding. Well, speaking of the business, the head honcho, the big, the big company wwe like you said the machine the everything that's trickled down now obviously you have AEW and the emergence of the internet so thus north americans are more new, new japan even triple a and all that sort but everyone knows wwe is the big show of course so okay one thing i gotta know why did they hate the spanish announce table like what's up with that what's the story behind it was this like a <laughs> constant rib on you guys or was it just something that happened you organically know, yeah you know that that show that was on comedy central uh, we were like that uh South Park, we right. were like the Kenny. Okay. We were the Kenny. Ken, we were like the Kennys of the WWE. Yes. For some reason, 
for some reason you, you go to a high spot yeah, yeah. at the table with Jim Ross and the King, uh -huh. uh, Lawler, and it will not get the reaction as whatever happened at the Spanish table. Ah. So if the, if the show was coming close to an end, to the yeah. end, and our table had not been touched, people at the building mm -hmm. were screaming. A Spanish announced table. <laughs> they wanted it. It was part. It was. It was part of their oh emotions and stuff like that. Yes, and the guys, even if they were not programmed to do it, mm -hmm. they will find a way to be slammed against the table or to throw themselves <laughs> over us. We we like people think that we knew. No, not at all. Oh, so you did it? Oh shit! We knew nothing. Oh my god! It was China flying through boom hits it right on the nose? Uh, Carlos Cabrera got the finger broken Ouch. at one time, and it was, that was another story. The finger was like like this side, oh. like this. And he was in pain. I don't know if it was uh, the Undertaker or somebody that was thrown at the table. The okay. finger was completely crooked. And yeah. I said, don't worry, Carlos. Our friend, Jersey Animal Steel, you know, he was a, a, a football coach and he knows all these techniques to oh. put, the put the shoulder back on place and, you know, with the experience sure. he had with his players and everything. And for him to fix that finger would be no problem. <laughs> so we come through and I say, George, Carlos, look what happened to the car. Said, don't worry, my friend, amigo, I'll take care of it. Yeah. So he goes on that. And you hear like a noise. Oh! <laughs> and Carlos, and Carlos, eyes open up like this, that right. big. And and now the finger is straight. Yeah. The problem is now he has no control over the finger. Oh the no! Going, it's going. It's going forward <laughs> to make the story long short. Now it's a broken finger. Oh <laughs> no! Carlos said, "You told me the animal could fix it." I said, well, "That's what I. That's what I thought." But I. But it was it was it was almost broken. Right. That was the thing. It was not, the the thing was dislocated, and yeah. then when he did like that, it just uh, it, it was almost broken. It just completely broke, <laughs> completely broke. But those were parts of the Spanish table. It was like people Jeez. loved it, and and also the storylines were so good at yes, that time. Of course, that the the high spot or the or whatever happened at the table meant something. It was like an incredible moment. And the whole place will go bananas, and people watching at home uh, a pay per view, they they felt like they were receiving something good. It was not like they waited like for these stories to develop, and then now right. the payoff. And what the heck happened here? No, they were very very good. So the Spanish table was one of those points that people were anticipating that the table was going to be. Uh, broken Vince will see us and he will wink at us and we knew he will say to us don't worry boys nothing is going to happen to your table <laughs> he'll wink at us and I said to Carlos oh boy something is happening here and that was it so it was it, okay. but it was it was so good because right. it it was part of a good story it was good most definitely well one bump that you took wasn't even involving the table was at Wrestlemania 19 where Hogan just leveled you like yeah, it was it was crazy. I haven't discussed this openly. I will go a little bit more deep into the details. Everything was very kayfabe. Only Hulk, uh, my partner found out, Carlos Cabrera found out maybe 10 minutes before we went out there. Okay, okay. And uh, the referee and Shane, that was it. This was not discussed at the production meeting. It was completely oh. kayfabe. So much was, was kayfabe right. that Stone Cold... Stone Cold will later tell me as he's watching with Brooke, with uh, brother uh, Book, with brother Booker. Yeah. He's watching with him. He's telling me this story that he sees them bloody uh, Hulk and Vince yeah, yeah. and coming to the table, and he sees me getting up. And and Austin is, tells me this story. He's telling Book, Hugo's in a way. You know, like F. Yeah, Hugo's in the way. He's gonna get it, yeah. And then, when, and then when Vince ducks, and they see the chair, but they don't see like the hands come up right. or anything. They just see the a three hundred and fifteen pounder Hulk Hogan. Right at, at the time that he was still Hulk Hogan. Yes, you know he had the strength. Yep, and boom, he knocked me out because oh uh, I, I I did say to him, I'm old school, and if you see oh. any of my matches, you never see me putting my hand against the ring post chair shots were like that's why i had concussions and everything yeah, yeah. we were that we were the type of guys and girls of my era mm -hmm. that it was it it yep. was no gimmick chairs no, no right. as a matter of fact the one that i just Ooh. did on triple mania uh, 28 yeah another crazy with, one uh, 
with Chessmen, yep. it was the the guitar was reinforced. It was not actually made to gimmick it. It was actually made stronger. Oh my god! Uh, yes, and that was another top secret. It was like a top secret too. Oh, okay. And this was a, this was another pure heavyweight. Boom! Yes. We have it. This, this yeah, this shoulder is. It's I still have it. Shoulder went completely down. Oh my god! And but it was it was good for the story. We were trending number one in Mexico yep. and trending like top in. And I wanted to do that. And actually, in one of the, the polls that they did on the best shows of the year, mm-hmm. the AEW uh, came on first, one of the pay-per-views. Yeah. Uh, Royal Rumble came second, and then was uh, Triple Mania, and then WrestleMania. That was that was my whole compromise. Ah. I said, I want to make our show better than WrestleMania. Sure. And we did it. So I paid I pay a price with the health care. <laughs> so with, with, with the chair shot, yeah. he let me have it. He said, oh I said, I said, I said I'm old school, yeah. and he said I'm Hulk Hogan. And brother, he made he made a believer out of Hugo Savinovich that oh. I was the Hulkster. The Hulkster let me have it. You could imagine, not a gimmick chair, the yeah. real heavy chair. This was not a gimmick light chair. Yeah, yeah. There was no hands put out there. Yeah. And if you see this, that the way that that Hulk lets me have it, he let me have it, and 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 oh. boom, my eyes went up, and I did what I did, and yeah, yeah. that was it. But it's it. It's still like we're going to go into WrestleMania 37, and this was WrestleMania 19, and people still want to talk about something right? that happened. WrestleMania 19. So that's how good this story's hold and uh, hold. And, and this is like one of the very few times that like I, I actually went into more uh, spe- specificity on, on, on what happened. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I can't really say that I heard a lot of your work back then because obviously being young, I would watch the, the English uh, commentary. But it always seemed like you and Carlos had this, I, I don't know, just crazy enthusiasm. You guys were always so happy to be there. Like I sort of make the same thing as uh, Mexican soccer, like the announcers. They go nuts when someone scores a goal, just like you with your peligro and all, all your, your announcing yeah. things. Like, exactly. Like, just part i believe that even if you watch soccer unless it's like an it's like an irish american uh play-by-play guy it's very few american people that have i'm not discriminating because i'm I'm now an american citizen for the last 10 or 12 years but they they do not have uh the the passion that that play-by-play has in spanish we are so uh passionate you hear a right. soccer, a football, a football, uh, and it's a whole different world. So wrestling, it's part of their, uh, our our culture, and fans want want to be driven into that moment, and that's part of who we are, and we keep it real. And basically, uh, I believe that if you're not willing to go all the way in what you do, yeah. uh, if if everything means just the check. You're in the, in the wrong business and mm. the wrong profession. No, that totally makes sense, of course. <clears throat> and now I got to know too, since you guys were the Spanish commentary, who was on the other side of the headphones? Who was giving you guys instructions? We had Tom Carlucci, Italian-American uh, producer, good friend of mine. Okay. But uh, him and I were also, at one point, the producers of the WWF Super Astros in Univision. Uh, oh, WWF okay. at one time had a Spanish show. Oh, okay. uh, it was very, it was very successful. The problem was that Univision was not up to the times, and Vince wanted to get more push on pay per views, and Univision was afraid of pay per views, which is funny because now you <laughs> go into their page and they even sell uh, cars. Wow! You know, so <laughs> by the time Linda Mac- Linda McMahon sat sat with them, okay, and a lot of people say Vince is the genius, and I say yes, he is, but never forget Linda. Hmm. A lot of the top ideas did not come just from Vince. Right. So I I, I want to remind you. So it was it was part. Uh, I, I believe it was part of that that helped us. Uh, know each other the mm-hmm. the, the office sure. as I did the, the producing of that show they knew what was I capable of and also my first year I did creative there mm-hmm. so even though uh, he would sit next to us on the live shows right. when Vince would not would, Kevin Dunn would produce everybody right. but but like Vince would only we would only hear him briefly because he oh. basically uh, knew that that we knew what 
Well, what you to do, do and yeah. everything. Of course. Yes, so he didn't com- he didn't confuse us also because he knew that he couldn't speak Spanish. So it, it, you're doing something; it's more complicated. Yeah, yeah. But if he thought if he thought that it was an immediate uh, necessity for us to know, he will come through okay. and he will say, "This is for everybody." Mm-hmm. So then we knew that it was not just for the American guys because sometimes you will have. French guys, German guys, and WrestleMania, the whole people. Yeah, so right. if he said, this is for everybody, everybody knew. So if the guys uh, didn't understand, each individual producer mm-hmm. will make sure in their language that, they, that their talent, their play-by-play commentators, will know what, what was happening. Oh, that's so cool. And you also did uh, commentary for Lucha Underground. Now, I didn't know there was a yes. Spanish version to this because I only saw Striker and Vampiro at the announce table. So how did you guys do it? Did you dub it in or was there a different cut with you and Van? Yeah, no, we would do it. We did a lot of them, li- a lot of uh, live shots. It was impossible for us to do everything because Vampiro, I did only the first season. Okay. And Vampiro was doing the English with Matt Striker. He right. would be doing it in Spanish with us. So I basically would do some shots at the live shows and then uh, we will do the rest. Mm-hmm. We will do the rest uh, post-production. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, because Vampiro was doing English. Right. The first season, I did like 34 shows, and then uh, I didn't do the, the rest of the seasons because of the problem that eventually uh, happened. I said, this is good in the part of it's a different storyline and everything, mm-hmm. but it's concentrating too much on Hollywood mm-hmm. as, a, a, as a show, okay. and you're not giving the wrestling aficionados what they're looking for so if they don't see these That's as true. an arena product and yes. they just identify it as something they're going to see on tv yep. they're gonna they're not going to be loving it and 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 they thought that it could drive a new audience mm-hmm. and and they had a new station in in, in who who were paying 10 million dollars uh to have the the rights for the show right but they were not in every market uh either so a brand new uh el rey network yep. was not strong so it was very tough and then second it, they did not anticipate what i told them and other people told them mm-hmm. that they had to cater more for the wrestling aficionados and that driving force behind their storylines was more hollywood type right. and yes it was good but if they did not push the wrestling part and and they forgot to uh start bringing every you know, now and then, some shows bring the tempo mm-hmm. to, to market so you could give the people a taste that True. these guys are going to be doing this live. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And they never they never did that. So for the fans, it was just something in TV. And our fans, you know, will not like the fact that you're telling them that you're just going to be a TV show. Right. Because Lucha Libre, it stars in TV, but the, the, the what makes it valuable is the fact that somehow, somewhere, there's going to be a live show to interact that interactive part of being with the with the wrestlers in a live atmosphere so that that was perhaps one of the biggest uh, uh mistakes they made and each season was costing them over 20 million bucks it was not cheap to do yeah and i think i think they wasted a beautiful opportunity and that just shows you the big mistakes that you do and that wwe is making as they hired people that were successful in Hollywood, mm. but they don't know our customers, our clients. Makes they don't sense. know our boys. They don't know our history. They don't know the feeling of lucha or wrestling. And they think that because they had top TV reality shows or they were <laughs> head hunters of a big Hollywood TV sure. studio, that they could do the same thing in wrestling. And, right. and my friend, not a chance. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I was a huge fan of Lucha Underground, and I'm a huge wrestling aficionado. So, but I'm one of those guys that could suspend disbelief, and I take it as they want to give it to us. So I knew what it was for, and I love that idea. Now imagine a Lucha Underground during these times, during lockdowns and stuff. I think it would have been even more successful, yes. right? Yes, yes. And they could have done their interactive, what Vince is doing at the Thunderdome. Ah, they had the setup. True. And this was not a Thunderdome. This was a temple. Right, you right. Could have done so many things that the temple will help to create the environment when where you are not seeing wrestling fans in TV screens or virtual fans. You will be inside the temple, and they they but they forgot to build on that audience. And I, I said, know. if you're not growing in numbers every week, right? You know, and I, and I had the same thing with with Wednesday nights. AEW is kicking uh, WWE NXT's yep. butt. But even though they're winning, 
their numbers. They're not going I mean, up. If you look at yeah. if you look at the at NXT and AEW, even the two put together mm-hmm. don't really make for a good show on Wednesday nights, where there's usually not a big competition. It's not Monday night football or whatever. Right, or, right. or so it worries me that with all the time that NXT had before AEW, first that AEW comes and kicks their butt, right. but second that it's it's almost the same numbers, mm-hmm. even with their win. Maybe maybe with that tribute. Uh, oh, to Brody uh, Lee. Yeah, to Brody Lee, they came close to one million viewers. Right. But it's like seven hundred thousand fans to six hundred, yep. five hundred thousand, and and that worries me because that means that we are losing a lot of fans into a lot of reality shows and a lot of stuff that I, that is not really on TV. It's in YouTube. It's yes, in other places. Exactly. So if we're not if we're not careful and to draw them back, we're in trouble. I said, you go to my shows. Uh, I'm I'm working with the creative team. Uh, it's Conan is our boss. Mm-hmm. Then, then it's me and the creative team for AAA. Mm-hmm. But uh, before the, the coronavirus, you will go to our arenas, and you will see in a little town five, six, seven thousand people, right. and you will see the father, the mother, their kids, their grandparents, mm-hmm. the the young couple that 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 had just married from their families. Sure. You will see them next. So you will see like the whole family, different ages. The kids that had the phone out mm-hmm. were not playing video games. Mm. They were recording matches ah. from their moments. Right. So they, they, they were not in another world. Like, right. oh, my grandparents, my mother says, for me to go. No, they were participating. And you're building into the tradition of new fans. Right. And that is what is lacking right now in, in, yes. in our wrestling. Yes. And that's my fight. My, that's my fight to open up the eyes of promoters and create people that we gotta drive the fans mm-hmm. and and their new generation back into the episodic mind, which is you know like every week you build in something that will make you wait for the next week. Right. But if you don't give anything good this week, why the hell would I stay to watch it next week? It's true. So that that's like a general concept that I I'm very upset, and I think that we're wasting uh, our fans. We're wasting the opportunity of getting our fans back. And not only that, of, of building into a new fan base. No, it's so true. And it sucks, too, because it's such a double-edged sword because you want to please the current wrestling aficionados, but you got to branch out to bring people in. And some people are stuck in their ways and want wrestling the same way all the time. But you can't grow. Like, imagine if Vince McMahon didn't go into the Attitude Era. Where, where would wrestling be uh, now? Yes. What about if he didn't create the character of Mr. McMahon? Even that? When he, when he didn't have the money that... that Ted Turner had because now you. if you look at it now he is like Ted Turner he is the predator yeah now he is the predator you become too strong I will buy you and make your wrestling company <laughs> mine or yeah. just do a parking lot there yeah so people are forgetting this if any company gets too strong with exception of AEW yeah any other company including including AAA mm-hmm. will will not be able to to refuse uh, an offer from Vince because it will be crazy for them uh, to refuse it because Vince will make it such a good offer <laughs> that that they will not, you know, business people do what big conglomerates do, you know, when yeah. you see that it's a takeover. Yeah. It's either a hostile takeover <laughs> or it's one where you get more money. Of course. One way or the other, it's going to happen. And right now, uh, Vince don't have to worry about that. But if he sees too much unity uh, as companies get together to work as one, he might not be able to take out AEW money-wise, but he will be able, if he wanted to, to buy one of those companies. Right. And and, and, and you will see. So it's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that is happening. I hope that we have the opportunity to showcase more. Mm-hmm. I will retire on 2015. I already announced it. Uh, it's, it's part of uh, me letting people know that that's when my my uh, my time is coming, you know, to 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 a stop. And okay. I'm saying it because I want everybody to know that it's happening. Then I hope to do some live shows. Mm-hmm. My dream show that I have told the fans I want to do either a taped live a taped live event on pay per view or a live one, mm-hmm. where I'm going to ask Vince to let me have Carlos Cabrera 
to do that play-by-play. -play. And after paying the talent and the cost of production, all the money will go to charity. All the money. Nice. So Vince, Vince will know that after paying the talent, uh, no money will be like for Hugo or anything. Yeah. He will go like what I do and have that That's that awesome. show. And, and I have done a spoiler already. I said, if I'm producing it, on the last show, don't expect on, on that show, if I'm producing it, my last show, don't expect a, a hero's goodbye or expect something sad. Mm -hmm. Expect expect that it's going to be violent for me. Nice. Because I believe that if you lived that way all your life, you cannot do anything else when it comes to an end. Right? I leave. I leave. I, 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 I don't stay. I leave. So I got to leave putting other people over. Of course. And whoever it's it's gonna be put over with me as a victim it's somebody that that wrestling could see him or even her draw some big gates and i will just disappear honoring the profession where you should not be first mm -hmm. should be business and storyline so i gotta i gotta do what i've done all my career even at then and they say well why the heck do you do the spoiler it's because that is that is not my continuous story that's only happening once exactly. so i don't care if you know it but i'm telling you right now don't expect to tune in and watch you know people saying good <laughs> things about hugo it's not gonna be none of that crap right. it's gonna be great matches there great storylines great guests and boom at the end uh guess what it, you know li life life is not a rose garden it's not gonna be a pretty pretty thing exactly. but that's part of the story so that that will be my goodbye and by 2024 right. february 15th I'm going to launch my second book. Okay. It's not going to have the like second part of Atangana Ring of Tentaciones, Ring of Temptations. It's going to be another another name, mm -hmm. but it will it will take it from the moment that the first book ends ah. until the part that I will that I will retire. Gotcha. And just as I did just as I did on the first book, mm -hmm. every every book that I sell, I even cover the cost of the book. Mm -hmm. All the money goes to charity. I am the sponsor with another Beautiful. couple that are friends of mine of the. The women that are international uh, prisoners, that are women that are in jail in the Republic of Panama, mm -hmm. I preached in there, and it was so horrible wow. that I said I cannot just go away from here and not do of anything. Course. So we sponsor them every month, all of that stuff. So I, I, I everything that I do, twenty percent goes to all those charities. But awesome. in particular, uh, it will be uh, everything, not twenty percent of the book. 100% of the book that is out right now and the one that's coming out, 100%, I even paid the cost of each book, goes into different charities. Uh, a hospital that a friend of mine runs in the mountains of Honduras that not even the government was able to do. I helped sponsor it, and, and don't ask me how, <laughs> but a lot of people with good heart uh, help. And what the government could not do, uh, my friend who's a pastor and a big singer, Christian singer, has a, a small hospital okay. where... They give you medicine. You don't have to buy your medicines mm. or anything. In a lot of these countries, you got to pay for even your oxygen, everything. Right. We don't. So, so my money goes there, and awesome. the book it's it's the full uh, the full amount goes into all these charities. Everything else that I do, if I go to do play by play in Mexico, mm -hmm. or they hire me to do creative for one show, anything uh, commercial, anything that I do, twenty percent goes to all this stuff that I do, and that. It's what makes me happy, my friend, to know awesome. that at one point I did some many crazy things and uh, <laughs> I, I have been able now to do what I want to do and it's to uh, actually help people. And I'm getting boys and girls of our wrestling business out of drugs. That go. main event, the Triple Mania, meant more for me, not just creatively. Mm -hmm. But the main event, Pagano, Pagano against Chessman, hair against hair, Pagano could have been could have been dead on drugs and, and alcohol, mm -hmm. and we were able to rescue him, and now he's telling kids how to get out of drugs See? and stuff. Awesome. So to me, that was as, as important as the guitar shot, right. as, as having a great show, <laughs> which we did. We had like yes. the number one band, number one band in Latin America, Molotov. We had, we had rappers that are famous, mm -hmm. not just doing their thing. They were doing rap about the storyline of the shows. Right. And we had... Yes, and we had influencers not talking about them, but them talking to their fans about this culture of lucha. Mm -hmm. So we did things that 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 it's taken us to an to another to another. Uh, I'm 
bigger audience. Yeah. And we drew the we drew the biggest numbers. And I think that's just the beginning. And uh, before I retire, I want to see uh, more companies, not just AAA. I want to see more companies uh, have more fans, and and we need to have more companies. WWE cannot be the only of company in AEW. We need other stronger companies yep. in order to have different talents. If not, we're going to have talents that have been brought up into the robot robot kind of mentality, the, the like the Tony Khan, Cody Rhodes mentality at one point, mm-hmm. and the Vince McMahon, you know, Kevin Dunn, uh, Triple H mentality. So we have, we, we have like, like, uh, like artificial mind wrestlers that sure. don't think like for robots. themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's it. And I want more, uh, more individual, uh, mm-hmm. uh thinking. I want to see strategy. I want to see uh, a story that tells me what's happening in the ring, not just with the mic. Yeah. I want, I want them to tell me the story in the ring with submission halls. With, with the, the tag that almost doesn't make it, I want to I want to see uh, the guy suffer, the girl suffering. I see the expression, and, and I want the fans to get into the picture. Yes, it's sports entertainment, but boy, are they doing something good! Yeah, no, and to mention even with you guys, your partnership with Marvel now all of a sudden, like you know, what I mean, that's oh, another thing that's different. And again, Marvel—that's literally one of the biggest companies owned by Disney yeah. in the world, right? They have and they have created like their own wrestling company. And, and, and in the storyline, they 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 start with us in AAA, right. and they go into the Triple Mania, the big show, and we follow their, their story steps. That's and so if cool. you go into the page, you could actually buy the, their lucha, their lucha merchandise. Jeez, Marvel that's is so cool. selling their own lucha merchandise, right. and you're gonna find that they're not cheaper than WWE. <laughs> so so we have we have done incredible stuff and yeah. we hope that we continue to do that and i'm helping so cool. an, uh, a company in panama i'm going to be doing tv there okay i have a small company that i'm helping in mexico it's called lucha madre lucha madre okay and these young guys they don't have one promoter i help them i don't want to be their partner I'm, I'm helping them okay i want them to have their own thing and the only thing that i ask is uh whoever gets hot before uh the Mexico Arena Consejo Mundial mm-hmm. gives them an offer or AW or Impact to give me the first shot <laughs> so Dorian and Conan sure. Conan could off, offer them a deal right. and if they don't get to to a, you know an agreement then they do that's the only thing I ask but I'm helping them with uh, the credit part uh, money and 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 just I want I want to see I, I want to see guys that are independent but just because they're independent I don't want them to see to to be looked at, uh, oh, man, what a craziness. Because you see a lot of independent people say, oh, okay, FWE, FAW, we run things here. Yes, but what the heck are you running? Right. Because you have no excuse. You don't have this <laughs> telling you what to do. Yeah, but yeah. what the heck are you doing? You're doing a lousy show. You're breaking all the rules. It makes no sense. So that's where I stand. And my friend, That's I gotta cool. say bye. But hopefully, we'll get a we could do a second part and tell you more no crazy problem. stories. Of course. Well, quickly plug your stuff where people can find you, upcoming stuff, all that quickly if you want. Yes, uh, Lucha Libre Online. Lucha Libre Online. We have over in YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Lucha Libre Online has over one million. I'll say eighty thousand followers. Wow. And and. Promoters, talents, uh, fans that even don't speak Spanish. I'm doing a lot of the important ones. I'm sneaking in some English. If you saw the play-by-play on Triple Mania 28, mm-hmm. uh, you could remember that I did boom, boom, some English and came right back into Spanish. So yes. on big on, on big things that I do on storylines on Lucha Libre Online, I will go in into English and boom, go back into Spanish. It's Lucha Libre Online. We do lives. We do... Uh, English, we do from the champion, Drew McIntyre. He has been our guest on our interviews. Beautiful. We've done, uh, I just did an LA Park in a new segment. It's called Without Censorship, where we talk about everything and fans participate with questions. And and I, I even asked questions about my own company. Nobody's protected. So uh, we do stuff that it's crazy. I was able to challenge the system uh, with the South... Uh, We'll talk about this some other time. The, sure. the the Arabia thing with the wrestlers being, you know, 
all that stuff. All the Saudi and stuff, main, yes. Yeah, the main lawyer said to the leader I was lying to make money. Right. And this, guess, get what? I was proven right. They had to settle for $39 million. And, uh, you know, whatever they said about me was not the true story. And, you know, I proved them wrong. I, I Once once I said, Rey Mysterio is coming back to WWE, and they they said that I was lying. And then, <laughs> like, a month and a half, a month and a half after, guess who was back on WWE? Rey Mysterio. Even Rey says, how the heck do you find these things out? Because I don't abuse my friendship. I don't, and sometimes I stay quiet right. because it will, it will hurt people that I love. So yeah, yeah, I don't sense. go for the likes. I see that I calculate what, what's good. Yeah. Uh, and and sometimes I keep my mouth shut because I don't I don't want to hurt uh, people's uh, careers and I stay I stay a lot of times quiet but that's my world Lucha Libre online perfect and uh, on that page I don't care if you don't speak Spanish if you have any problems and you just need somebody to pray with you advice I'm not religious I just I was just a man saved by the grace of God uh, his name is Jesus and I respect you even if you don't love God and you just want to talk to a friend and there give you. Go. And advice, I will do that for you too, because I believe that we we are in this earth not to be against each other, but to love on one another. And and even if you don't believe in God, you're still my brother and my sister. And I'm here to at least say to you, guess what? Some crazy guy from Ecuador uh, loves you, regardless of what the heck you're thinking. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go then, Hugo. It was really an honor and pleasure talking to you. We'll have to do it again, like you said, a few months down the line. Maybe once audiences start coming in, because I didn't even touch on announcing in an empty audience, none of that. We could talk all that in the future. So, I just did a live. I just did a live before I started with you. Okay. That uh, WrestleMania 37 will be two nights. It'll be just three hours each night, and it will have up to 25,000 fans per show oh that is not, that is not official but right now they went up from 12 13 thousand into 25 thousand because they figured it's such a big stadium right and 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 by the time the show hits there's gonna be more people uh vaccinated you know with a with a with a shot yeah and everything that's true. so i think that you could you could accommodate 25 so right now it's 25 but do not be surprised if from here to there right. there will be 35,000 people Never know. at each time. Right now, it's 25,000, and and I'm still rooting for Tony Khan or Vince to get their checkbook out and bring CM Punk and, and his wife, AJ Lee. I think that they, they are a couple that could really kick some ass right. and bring fans back into watching TV and audiences in, in live events. That's awesome. All right, Hugo, thank you very much. We'll keep in touch. All right, my friend. You got it. So that was Hugo Savinovich. I'm just going to plug my shit quickly as well for all you people still listening. So you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Obviously, rewind to the top of the show. Please support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it helps me out. But most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. On that note, he's Hugo. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.